This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast, number 256. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, uh, Tales of the Cocktail 2018 is coming up pretty soon. Very, uh, let's see, it's July 17th through 22nd, 2018, as I record this. I'll be down there uh, recording stuff with, with my little mobile recorder and uh, bringing you as much as I can of the flavor of Tales of the Cocktail to the podcast. So, uh, Or if you're going to be there, please let me know. You can uh, get in touch with me on uh, Instagram or uh, there's a, just email me, brian at bartenderjourney.net. Oh, you know what else I'm doing next week as I record this? I think it's uh, the Monday and Tuesday is anybody know the date Monday, Tuesday whatever it is uh, I'm doing Cocktails in the Country again with Gary Gaz Regan that's going to be awesome I've done that once before and it was really a lot of fun and uh, very educational and uh, what happens is you get together with a group of 10 bartenders and um, Gaz he goes through his uh, mindful bartending seminars which are really interesting and then we get behind the bar and uh, we each get to make a couple of drinks for our fellow bartenders and we all uh, as, as Gary says we learn from each other so uh, it's, it's a great opportunity I think he does it about 10 times a year with 10 bartenders each time, and uh, it's probably about wrapped up for this year, but you can check that out on his website, which is um, gazregan.com, I believe. Let me double check that. Yeah, that's correct. Gaz. Regan.com. So, uh, and that's Cocktails in the Country. Just Google Google Cocktails in the Country. I'm sure you'll find it that way too. And uh, let's see, what else do we want to talk about? Well, uh, Bar Convent Brooklyn was um, about a month ago now, and that was uh, brand new in the United States. It started as Berlin Bar Conference, or what do they call it? Bar Convent Berlin. Now it's Bar Convent Brooklyn. Uh, I mean, they brought it over to the States for the first time, so that was uh, really interesting. And we're going to get into some interviews we recorded in Brooklyn there. I ran into this fine gentleman who made one of the most delicious cocktails on the floor and also happened to be a listener of the Bartender Journey podcast. All right, if you would just uh, please introduce yourself and tell us your name. All right, my name is Jun Ku from Dallas, Texas. I work at a bar called Parliament, and uh, it's in a tiny little bar in uptown Dallas. Nice. And you just made me one of my favorite cocktails I've ever had, so please tell me about that cocktail. Wow, thank you so much. So the cocktail is called Cartier-Bresson, which is named after Henri Cartier-Bresson, a French photographer, who is known as a decisive moment. Uh, so when I was asked to make a VSOP cocktail, and I was very confused. Oh, okay, I like cognac, but I've never actually made cocktails using cognac. And at one moment, I was like, okay, yellow chartreuse, French. So the, the cocktail originally had a VSOP, yellow chartreuse, and a corn silk syrup with a saline and with a little bit of malic acid. But I, I was missing something. And I went to my friend's bar the night before I was supposed to uh, turn the recipe, and he gave me a shot of uh, Lucano. And bling. So yes, so the cocktail has a VSOP, two ounce, three, uh, three quarter ounce of a yellow chartreuse, half an ounce of a Mara Lucano, and quarter ounce of a corn silk tea syrup. So corn silk tea is a little hair on a corn that you, you can pull out and you can buy in a bowl and, and brew into a tea. And once it's ready, you cool it down. When it's cold, you add demerara. And so you make a cold process syrup. Yeah. Well, we should mention we're using Hennessy uh, VSOP. Definitely Hennessy VSOP, correct, correct, yes. <laughs> and, uh, but that truffle... Thing, saline is incredible. Yeah, so to talk about the saline, I love using saline in a cocktail, just up the salinity. So this one is a 20% strength. So we're using a Maldon salt. So make Maldon salt is a brand. Maldon is a brand of sea salt. It's a super delicious. Using I use it for cooking, cocktail, and everything. And so I make the 20% strength saline 
and I grated a fresh truffle from Italian market on top and let it infuse for a couple hours. So delicious. I tasted that on its own. It was incredible. But a tr a truffle is such a... Um Interesting ingredient. Like, where? Exactly. <laughs> oh, why, why did I use truffle? Yeah. Why? Oh, I just wanted to add a little bit of funk yeah. to a cocktail. Yeah. Something. But something. I love. I love that expression, funk, because it doesn't. I, I, David Wondridge uses that expression oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, sure. Funk. Okay. And I asked him one time. I was like, "What? What does that word even mean? You know, you use it a lot. What does funk even mean?" He was like. I just use that word because I don't know what else to call it. <laughs> oh, but when I say funk, you get the expression of funk, yeah. right? You smell it, you taste it, yeah. and you look at it. It's very funky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not funky in a bad way. Funky in a fun way. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 kind of an earthy flavor, I think, right? Definitely. 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 Yeah. And you and you see that with um with rums a lot of time. Uh huh. But um. So coming from like Asian background myself, I'm Korean. So that's why Kron Silk tea is a tea that Koreans love to drink. And uh, when you think of Asian cuisine, there's a lot of umami. Yeah. And when you think of umami, there's salt, pepper, there's fungus, which is mushroom, right? So you add that flavor all together, you get this nice, beautiful French cognac with the French liqueur, Italian Amaro, the Korean flavor syrup with umami added to it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit a little bit more about your bar. Uh, so the bar I work at is a Parliament. It's, it's on Allen Street by McKinney. It's a small, really bar right underneath an apartment complex. Yeah, so our, we have a four bartending staff. Uh, can I name them? Yeah, we got Jesse, Jeremy, Jeremy, and June. <laughs> so all the Jays work behind the bar with Jonathan as a GM. And Lucky is our boss. His name is Lucky Campbell. Yeah, it's a really fun bar. We, we have over 100 cocktails on our menu. 100 cocktails on the menu? Over 100 cocktails on the menu. Yeah, so when you come in, we have a high energy. If I, if I see you walk in, Brian, it'll be like, everyone will yell, Brian! <laughs> and your drink that you always have will be ready as you get to the bar, even though a bar is sardine-packed. Yeah. yeah, and we have, we have a lot of fun. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. But, you know, one of my most fun experiences, um, I was at Herbs and Rye in Las Vegas oh, one time. Yeah. It was the first time I ever walked into that bar. Uh -huh. Never been there before. The bartender, the bar was like four deep. Uh -huh. The bartender goes out of his way as soon as I sit down, comes over, shakes my hand like he's my long lost friend. You know, I haven't seen for 15 years. Wonderful. And, and it was such a cool experience. You know, he, he was like, welcome. It's great to see you. You know, I was like, I never met this guy in my life. You'll get the same experience at our bar. So what we, what we say every day is it's not about the cocktail that come in. It's about us. People, want, people just want to come hang out with us. You know, there are so many bars in Dallas and around the world. Why choose to come to Parliament? Because we have fun. And it's, it's a very fun, loud environment. Yeah. That's, that's what a bar is supposed to be, fun. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's a pleasure to meet you, sir. Thank you for the delicious cocktail. You know what? I'm trying to slow down, but I might just have one more of those. Um, go ahead. It's all yours. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you, sir. We're here at Bar Convent Brooklyn with Mr. Torrance Swain. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. Doing well. Blessed. This is in a, one of the most amazing uh, activations, shall we say? Oh, thank we're you. Like, we're like behind the uh, curtains here, and it's it's great. Yeah, what we did is uh, we wanted to use utilize the space and as well as bring people into the, our world of Silencio. You know, so Mezcal itself is a very indigenous spirit. It's really tied to the land, the people, uh, the history of Mexico is really 
closely lined, aligned with what mezcal is. So um, it's a lot of mysticism and uh, sultry, sexy, and uh, just a whole another world that's aligned with this spirit uh, category. So we really try to embody that as a brand. So what you have here is, uh, what we have is a, a shipping container that we kind of converted into like a, a bar that we feel like embodies who we are. Yeah. So, well, Mezcal is very like, um, it's very much about family and community, right? right. Down in Mexico. I, 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 unfortunately, I have not experienced it myself, but from what I've read, it's very much about like family history and it's a, it's a, it's like a lifeblood, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, so to think about, uh, you know, we always tip our hats to, to uh, Ron Cooper and what he's done with Del McGain and Single Village yeah. Mezcals. But yeah. really what that what that's really saying is that every family has their own way of doing Mezcal. And our family has been making Mezcal for eight generations. So it is really ancestral in its approach, yeah. um, but artisanal in that we're not a really small batch Mezcal. So we, we do make we do produce quite a bit. So that kind of keeps us from being ancestral, but our whole approach is a very traditional, um, time-honored uh, way of creating the spirit. So, so for anybody who doesn't know, how is mezcal produced, actually? like? Okay, so the, the major differences between tequila and mezcal are there are a few. So in tequila, you can only use 100% Blue Weber agave. Um, in mezcal, you can use over 40 varieties of agave, of, of agave to create, right, to create mezcal. The other thing, the other major difference, and there's a there's a ton of technicalities, but if we want to talk about major differences, the other piece is that in tequila they steam the agave in big ovens, big steam ovens. In mezcal, we use what's called a horno or a underground pit where mes where agave is smoked and then is then we take it crush it just ferment it distill it I want to hear more about that the underground pits like the that's underground pits. so what happens is uh, at our at our palinque and our palinque is just another word or palinque? translates to what a distillery would be in America okay. palinque actually translate as clearing because historically um, when Spain was in control of Mexico they outlawed them they outlawed mezcal for being made in the countryside. So mescaleros used to move their operations to different places and they oh, would clear. Like, like moonshine. They would clear a piece of land and it, palinque means clearing. Okay. So anyhow, the horno is the underground pit. So if you want to think about, if you ever had a pig that's been smoked in the ground, it's the same. Like a, like a luau in Hawaii. Right, so there's a pit that's been dug on the bottom is a, a like a charcoal in wood, and then volcanic rock is spread upon that. So some palinques use a direct roast, which means there's nothing between the fire and the agaves. We use, in, in Mezcal Silencio, we use volcanic rock in between the fire that keeps it from being direct, the, the agave from being directly roasted, right? So, are the agave cut cut up into four pieces or yes, yes, they're, they're normally split in half, in half. yes that, that's to give it more contact more surface area contact for more heat so because when an agave is picked and it's stripped of his uh, stripped of his leaves it's huge but it's also very green so it, 
the, the, the cooking process brings those sugars out of the fibers so that when you go to crush the agave, that, that material can be collected and then put into a fermentation tank. And in our fermentation method, we don't use any proprietary yeast. All of our yeasts are airborne. They're natural. And each season, you got a different combination of yeast that are available, which is... So does that make it hard to keep consistency? Or? Ah, that's what I was about to get to right now, Brian. You're one step ahead of me, I see. <laughs> so our mescalero, he keeps a batch from each... Uh, each quarter of the year, each season, so that when he tastes his batch, he can go back to whatever season there is to keep that taste consistency. He under So the reason why we're called El Silencio Mezcal is because he believes in the silence. So he does everything as far as checking on the mezcal in the silence. He tastes it. He tastes the mezcal in the silence. He listens to his fermentation process in the silence to understand when it's ready to, to, to begin and start. I mean, begin yeah, and end. It sounds like he listens to his heart a little bit too, right? Yeah, he's a very <laughs> spiritual man. Uh, yeah. we, we, we definitely are, uh, we're definitely blessed to have him because yeah. he's really, really. What's, it, what's this gentleman's name? His name is Pedro Hernandez. Sure, he's a fine gentleman. Yes, he is. He's very, he's very lovely. He's, he's a family-run business. Yeah. Like, when you go down there, everyone that's at that Palenque has been there for years. You know, and I, I just want to tell everyone that's listening that every time you pour a bottle of mezcal, whether it was ours or another's, like, you're putting money into a community that didn't have it before. And it's really important that we celebrate this category and, and, and enjoy what it takes to make it what it means to drink it, because a lot of times it's really ritualistic, ceremonious when we are drinking mezcal. So it's it's definitely an honor to be involved with this new movement in this spirit category. It's a, it's a joy of mine. Um, and it's definitely an adventure to learn about all these different ways to make mezcal and enjoy it. Some people know about it and some don't, but you know, it's, it's great to kind of bring this education to people that it's a fine spirit that has a long history and it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing, you know. Right, it is. So you know, we're enjoying a revolution in the spirit. The, the spirit category grew seventy percent overall yeah. last year, um, and a lot of people. I, I really believe America, people in general, are ready for it. Yeah. And I'm I'm here I'm here to share the silence with them. <laughs> Absolutely. Share the mezcal word. Yes, sir. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, man, you know, Brian, it's all love, man. I love seeing you, man. You're like family. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Let's drink some mezcal. All right. Fabio Raffelli, uh, I'm from Milan, and I'm the North American brand ambassador for Martino Rossi. I'm based in Miami. Great. And this is Roberta. Ciao, I'm Roberta. I'm Italian, and you can uh, probably get from my pronunciation. <laughs> yes. So sorry about it. No, I'm the please. global ambassador for Martini, and I'm living in London. All right. Martini and Rossi's been around for a very long time, right? Oh, really long time. Yeah. It's more than 150 years. Wow. It's, uh, you see it in many, many, many bars. <laughs> yeah, luckily enough, we are the number one uh, vermouth, uh, Italian vermouth in the world. Yeah. And we had a lot of love uh, in the past years from bartenders, on yeah. trade, the consumers. So, yeah, luckily yeah. we are quite it's, everywhere. It's, 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 it's actually quite a bargain. I mean, it's reasonably priced compared to some others we could mention. And, um, but it's, it's very tasty. But let's talk about um, how, first of all, what's the definition of vermouth? 
Oh, you want the legal yes. one or yes. you want so <laughs> depends on which part of the world you are. In the US. So in US, yeah. so be called vermouth and it tastes like and looks like vermouth. That's it. <laughs> That's it? Yeah, it's quite general as you can imagine. Uh, for the European legislation it's a bit more like strict. So vermouth is a fortified wine, aromatized wine, is a seventy five percent of wine, an A V B that is between fourteen point five and twenty two and needs to be aromatized with the Artemisia absinthium. So as you can see, it's quite different. Right, right. Well, I didn't realize the range was so, so, so it could go up to 22. What, yes. what's, what's say your, uh, your sweet vermouth, what, what, what ABV is so that? So the classic range, the one that made Martini famous in the world is around 15, while okay. the Reserva Speciale, our premium range that we launched recently is 18. Yeah, so let's hear about the premium, the, the new the new launch. Let's Ooh, hear about it. <laughs> I was waiting the question. So I think, like uh, as you said before, Martin has been around for more than 150 years, and it was great. We just felt in the last years that we need to make something more for bartenders, something unique that will be like a premium range. Yeah. And that's why uh, we decided to go back to our roots, to our past. So traditional methods. Uh, Ambrato and Rubino, they are, they are two expressions. They are really... Identify the territory, Piemont, with this beautiful wine, the Moscato d'Asti, the Nebbiolo, and also the Artemisia is coming from Pancalieri. It's a small village outside Pessione where we got Casa Martini, and we have a long relationship with the farmers, so we grew this botanical with them. And the Reserve is just an amazing way for us to give the bartenders the best tools for them to express uh, themselves. And, uh, you know, as you're probably aware, we recently launched the Bitter, it was actually July 2017. You know, as Italian, uh, I've been drinking quite a lot of aperitivo drinks, and they are all based into ingredients. It's a bitter and it's vermouth. So with the Reserva range, Ambrato Robino, I think we put the standards quite high, and we needed the bitter that will be on the same level to match perfectly with these two expressions. So our master blender, Beppe Mousse and Ivano Tonotti, our master herbalist, they really create a bitter that will match perfectly with the Rubino and Nembrato. So you can make like one of the really complex Negroni, for example, with the Bombay Sapphire, and you can make Americano, Milano Torino, and the ingredients, they're just born to be together. Yeah, I'm drinking an Americano right now. It's delicious. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of, um, it, it's, it's aromatized with what? Can you tell us? <laughs> oh, a lot of things. So, um, I think there is no standard for a vermouth, so you've got yeah. different expression. Um, most of the time you've got the Artemisia absinthium, is one of the main uh, botanicals in all the vermouths. Then, for example, for the Rubino, we use Resanda wood from South Africa. It's a beautiful, bright red wood that in that country they use for a sculpture as well, but also gives nice intensity to the color of the Rubino. And for the Ambrato, we use uh, Roman chamomile. Oh, okay. Don't think the chamomile that you infuse in at the end of the night like a tea is a different kind of a chamomile. And it was kind of extincting because no one was using it. And working with Pancalieri, the farmer that I was mentioning before, we were able to bring it back, basically. Oh, very nice. And so, did I read somewhere you just recently opened a, a bar? Did I read that correctly? Uh, so we don't re we didn't really open a bar. It's more like a concept that we're taking around the world. Okay. It's a cafe Torino. Mm. 
Oh, so, Café Torino, yeah. Yes, so uh, Café Torino is a bar in Turin. It's one of the oldest bar. And basically, we, uh, the, we wanted to take the inspiration of the traditional way of doing aperitivo and bring it around the world during yeah. the trade show. Right. So you recently have seen in the Tales of the Cocktail, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Berlin Bar Show, and now here uh, with us, uh, BCB New York. Yeah. Oh, I love it at Tales of the Cocktail. It's such a oasis over there it tells that it's just so relaxing you go in there and it's 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 very nice on a hot day you go in there and you could have a low abv cocktail and some air conditioning it's great <laughs> i mean th that was the idea like what was missing in the trade show we want to make a place that will be the meeting point where yeah. you can just hang out and you're gonna yeah. find all your, your friends and then yeah. you're gonna decide what's next where we're we going which seminars are we following and it's just a place where you can relax and slow down because you know trade show that can be really busy yeah. so sometimes yeah. you need to take your moment and having maybe a quick coffee great drinks uh, and yeah i love it it's so funny because you walk by there one day it's an antique store and all of a sudden now it's cafe torino <laughs> and then cafe torino is gone again it's so funny <laughs> yeah i think this is the brilliant uh, idea of uh, having the concept uh, uh, flexible like a fettorino yeah. It's almost like I want to show the world that you don't need to invest a lot of money, you didn't need to have a lot of stuff around you to create a vibe. Mm -hmm. So the aperitivo is a state of mind. Yeah. So you just need some friends, you need some uh, drinks, a little bit of bites, and you, here you go, you just enjoy. It's fun, it's fun. The, the new bitter, is there any other cocktails besides Negroni-style cocktails that you're, you're making with that? Or uh, so I, maybe I haven't tried it, I haven't tried it yet. You didn't try it? Uh, no, we'll go try oh, it after. This is really bad. <laughs> so, there are two signature cocktails from uh, from uh, uh, Gabriele uh, from the Oriole Bar. But do you have the recipe right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so we we talk with us two good friends of us, uh, Gabriele Manfredi from the Oriole Bar and Giorgio Bargiani from the Conod Bar, and they basically created two cocktails using our Reserva Speciale range. Um, beside the Negroni, that we I would really recommend you to try. Okay. You can make a lot of drinks. You know, like the bitter is great because it has a nice complexity, quite balanced bitterness, and it's really versatile. You can use in a lot of drinks to give a little bit of depth and actually Fabio is working on a book recipe with a lot of tasting things including uh, like a pina colada version oh nice yes so uh, one of the first original recipe of the pina colada was with the angostura bitter on top so we just replaced the angostura bitter with the with the martini and rossi bitter so we just do a classic pina colada with a flot of bitter on top oh that's yeah great. it's very good. The, the italian palate seems to air towards the size of bitter, right? So, you know, in America, it's a little harder sell to your average consumer, you know? Why do you, why do you think that is? I think it's changing. So, as Italian, we grew up with bitter. We always have in this kind of uh, bitter taste, a love affair. Uh, for the American palate, it's quite different. But the trend today is they are bringing people to eating and drinking more bitter. Think about kale or right. even the gin and tonic. Yeah. Is, is it changing your palate? Is it educating your palate towards the bitterness? Right. So we get used to. Yeah. And it's happening all over the world. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, like, um, especially when I'm coming to the States, and last year with like a Cafe Torino tour in San Francisco, LA, I'm amazed how many amaro and bitters I found behind the bar because something like that could have happened 10 years ago. And this is just because we're eating dark, ch uh, dark chocolate and the coffee, all these kind of things that just educating the palate. Right, right. It's so funny. I, I tell people that. You know, the first time you hand somebody a Negroni, they're like, what is this? I don't get it, you know? And I tell people, drink it three times, then you're going to start to crave it. Like, every day at, like, 5 o'clock, I crave that that 
bitter flavor. I don't know how to explain it, but it just... That's true, that's true. <laughs> but I think like uh, um, our uh, Martini Negroni has a kind of a soft entry, so it's kind of gentle on the first sip, and then you got the bitterness coming later. So it's kind of smooth. So, yeah, I think it, it will help people that never had Negroni before to start to enjoy like the bitter taste. Right, right, right. Well, let's, let's go taste some. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi, I'm Brian. Pleasure to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Yeah, a bartender journey podcast. Okay. And uh, so we just want to talk about your brand and um, yeah. So I ask you to hold that like that yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. just um, go ahead okay. and introduce, bring it up here, maybe yeah, like that. Yeah, like that. It's kind of loud in here, so but yeah, I know. Uh, but okay, I can see it's it here. Recording, how it's Oh, it's too loud. Okay. Wait a minute. We don't want that. All right. So if you would just uh, introduce yourself and tell us um, a little bit about Monkey 47. Yeah. I'm Alexander Stein, the creator and founder of Monkey 47, a gin made out of 47 botanicals in the Black Forest. And uh, thanks for having me. It's delicious gin. And uh, well, first of all, why Monkey? I get, I, now I know why it's 47, but why Monkey? <laughs> well, the Germans uh, in particular, they are known for building great cars and a uh, fantastic sense of humor. And they love to uh, name their uh, companies after themselves. But I figured it was, uh, I started in 2008 developing Monkey 47. And I figured that uh, it is a bit eccentric for the German market. So I would need something more catchy. And then one night uh, I dreamt about the movie 12 Monkeys. And a good gin had 47% uh, of alcohol. It was the uh, London dry gin strength. And it made perfect sense, Monkey 47. Yeah. Sounds better than Monkey 48. <laughs> Plus, you can get the .com webpage. <laughs> For one year, the, the .com webpage. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's funny. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the botanicals that are used? Yeah, a good third uh, coming from uh, the Black Forest. Uh, the idea was, it goes back to a rudimentary gin recipe created by uh, a, a British officer that uh, after the Second World War, uh, moved to the Black Forest. And we have uh, 28,000 micro distillery in the area where I live. So it's a, it's a wealth of distil uh, distilleries and a wealth of knowledge. And um, so he teamed up with a local distiller and they used regional botanicals uh, to create something uh, out of a romantic feeling yearning for England. So a good third are from the Black Forest, lingonberries, that's the fruity part, obviously juniper, uh, acacia, uh, bramble leaves, uh, uh, 12 different kinds of peppers, uh, lavender, acacia blossoms, citrus. Any, any, yeah, I was going to ask you about the citrus. Any, uh, what kind of citrus? We use fresh lemon peels, so we uh, get them from Sicily. And every morning we, uh, we're peeling this, the, the citrus fruits by hand. Why is that? Um, we need the essential oils, right? As a distiller, you're not producing alcohol. You are an aroma hunter. Alcohol is just, let's say, the, like fat, it's your enabler, but not the purpose. Like a parfumeur uh, doesn't do it for the drinking, he does do it for the smell. So uh, lemon is very, very important. You want essential oils, that means taste. So if you would dried uh, lemon peels, 
that would not deliver you the same dimension. If, exactly, same for grapefruits. So, but if you're using fresh one, it also has a consequence. Uh, it should be uh, untreated, no fungicides, no pesticides, no wax and all that. So you have to really develop a, a, a supply chain to produce on a high quality level. Sure. It's not about uh, the, the quantity, it's more about the quality. Right. So for anybody who doesn't know, there's different ways to infuse these uh, flavors into gin, right? We have the basket, maceration. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, so we do, um, uh, we're using three techniques. Maceration, so uh, steeping plant materials in alcohol, so the alcohol will extract the flavors. And then it's like, I, create, I always uh, refer to it as like creating a raw diamond. A what? A raw diamond. Oh, okay. Uh, it's still an ugly rock, but you know there's a diamond in there because we have alcohol, water, and plant ingredients. But the alcohol has extracted the flavor. Now we want to get rid of the water and the plants. Right. So distillation comes into play. It's cooking and condensing, but it's a method of separating different uh, liquids. So, some of the botanicals will be better in a maceration. Some will be better in the basket. They right? all are macerated, and oh, some, of they, uh, some of them are in the basket, uh, which is a third technology called percolation. So the, the extraction of uh, uh, aroma through uh, steam. Right. So you would force alcoholic steam through plant materials. Right. So, so you have to you have this still, turns the alcohol into a vapor, and yep. then it goes through this basket which helps. Exactly. In, right. But that is to trick a little bit with your mind. It's not for the flavor. You can accentuate flavors, but you know, your nose is connected to your brain through, in a direct way, through the hypothalamus, more, information. More so than your tongue. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, you have a natural reflex when something is uh, not smelling very pleasant. You don't want to drink it or eat it. But if you smell something very pleasant, it always uh, predefines what you're going to taste. So everything is like uh, in harmony. And that is, percolation is the technology. But the most important, I would say, is 90% of the quality is made prior to distillation. You can be the best chef using the best oven, uh, the best pen, or whatever. If your ingredients are of poor quality, it will always be just an average type of product. Sure, sure. So, well, tell us about the uh, about the spirit that you're using. To so the base spirit is a, a molasses-based uh, neutral spirit rather than grain-based spirit. A lot of the producers, and I come from a completely different industry, uh, which has a lot of advantages, right? So if you learn something new, you, you start questioning, right? So you say, why is that? So everybody was using grain-based alcohol, and it always gives you a, like a British note. Molasses-based alcohol has the ability to adopt sweetness way, way better than grain-based alcohol. Right. So it behaves a little bit different. So it's almost sweet, although we don't add anything but water, natural botanicals. That's it. Right. So and uh, then we uh, grind most of the ingredients ourselves when they need to be grinded. And when they are fresh, we peel them ourselves. I think the the value uh, supply chain is a hundred percent in-house for things that matter. We also bottle ourselves and uh, ship ourselves so to make sure that everything's done in the way we wanted it to be. Right. Well, we, we have to mention it's a, it's a premium product, you know, it's, it's, it's not cheap. Yeah. And uh, 
talk about that a little. Like, is it because the the process is so expensive to do, or is it? Or are we talking, you know, well, I mean, it is a premium product. Yeah, yeah, but uh, premium and craft and boutique doesn't say anything, right? Right. So it's just a nice word. Uh, and to be honest, there's, it's not really a problem to produce something a little bit uh, of uh, lower quality and a little bit cheaper and, and sell it for a little bit less. When I started, I wanted to create my perfect interpretation of a gin. If you don't like it, it's fine. I'm not convincing you. It's okay. And you can come up with something else, and I would admire you for doing that. Uh, but this is all I can do. This is the best possible I can do. And I think if, you, uh, if you're starting something new and you are focusing on creating a good product rather than a brand, this is the right motivation. A winemaker who is in making volumes and selling a lot and becoming rich will always produce an average wine. It, yeah, need, a, exactly. A winemaker who's looking to make money is not making good wine. Yeah. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Right. And I think that you always, uh, a product needs a soul. Right. And I think I could uh, also produce it 200, 300% cheaper. But then what? It's not the same product. It's not right. the same sure. anymore. And uh, why doing it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, how do, how do you like to drink it yourself? Uh, uh, often. Uh, <laughs> often. <laughs> often, and uh, mostly neat, uh, and I'll drink it uh, not so much as a gin tonic, but that's a perfect gin tonic, but I like a gin and soda or uh, half and half soda and tonic. That's my drink lately. Yeah. Half and half. Half, half and half is a good drink. Uh, I don't like the, the sweetness With too much. I like citrus. Exactly. Yeah. I like a few ingredients, and... Uh, so still the gin has to stand out a little bit. Right. Otherwise I drink lemonade. Right, that's yeah. fine. Right. Well, lemonade actually sounds pretty good now. This has yeah. <laughs> been a long day already. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not that late. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it's my pleasure to meet you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me and uh, all the best for you. Thank you so much. Cheers. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, was your case. Well, there you have it, another episode of Bartender Journey. And next stop is Tales of the Cocktail, New Orleans, here I come. And there won't be a show next week as I'm down there the entire week. I'm going uh, Monday, Tuesday to Monday, so I'll be down there quite a while. I'll be recording lots of stuff, so uh, I hope you're you're subscribed so that just as, soon as the, just as soon as the brand new shows are available, they download to your phone automatically. And what a deal for free. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the Bartender Journey podcast. If you have any questions at all about how to do that, you can go to bartenderjourney.net slash subscribe and uh, that'll help you out there make sure you follow me on instagram so that i'll be posting lots of pictures from tales of the cocktail i'm sure and uh, i'll try to even get some up on the facebook page the bartender journey facebook page so like that page like it and on instagram it's bartender journey as well last year i think i recorded nine episodes worth of bartender journey shows uh, at tales of the cocktail so there's lots lots to talk about lots lots of people to talk to and uh adventures await cheers we'll see you next time on the bartender journey podcast